name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God. Amen. I, of course, do not deserve the beautiful introduction and heartfelt welcome by our beloved, His Reverence, His Very Reverend, Father Marcos. Father Moros. Um, and it's a blessing to be here with you, especially during such a beautiful season in the time of the church, the season of the fast of our Heavenly Mother, St. Mary. And I think the theme, according to the Father, is during the revival or the Nahda, for the next two weeks, I believe, are the letters of St. Paul. And uh, I was asked to say something about the letter of St. Paul to the Corinthians, the second letter, or second Corinthians. And we'll try not to make this into a Bible study, but more about the gist of the letter. And the letter to the, the second letter to the Corinthians is a very interesting letter. Um, and there's a lot of history behind it. There's a lot of history behind it. And of course, at the end, we'll try to relate its relevance to our beloved mother, St. Mary. Because in St. Mary, we see all the good things, all the beautiful things that we learn from the apostles, that we learn, of course, from Christ in their life, them living Christ. And so I, I want to go over a quick synopsis of 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians has 13 chapters. 13 chapters. And they told me only I can talk for about 30 minutes, which is perfect because <laughs> I'm not a professional speaker. I don't give long sermons, very nice and short ones. So I found a resource online, to be honest with you, that kind of did the job for me. It gave me a highlighted verse from each chapter. Because if we were to read all of 2 Corinthians now, straight forward, we'd be here for over 40 minutes. Do you want to read all of 2 Corinthians? Yeah. You sure? <laughs> we'd be here for quite a bit, right? We'd be here for quite a while. So we're just going to take a good synopsis, a brief synopsis about the 13 chapters that St. Paul, the apostle, wrote to the Corinthians. And we have to know, to understand this epistle, we have to understand a background about St. Paul's relationship with the Corinthians. Are we... There's enough space. Are you comfortable? You know, one of, <clears throat> one of the struggles of being a priest and wearing, having to wear a mask is that it gets humid under the mask. And my hair is very light. And it starts to intertwine and to go all over the place. And it's as if somebody is tickling your nose consistently. <laughs> and it ruins the focus. It ruins the focus. And then I lose concentration and I end up with a heresy and Bishop David gets a call. So <laughs> it's better, it's better if we, uh, if we speak freely, so long as you're all comfortable in the first row, we, I think we have over six feet anyway. So uh, thank you very much for understanding my struggle. <laughs> 
So to understand 2 Corinthians, we need to understand St. Paul's relationship with the Corinthians, the people in Corinth. All right? And you'll be surprised if you dig deeper. They actually remind us of Copts. But uh, I won't get into that because it might be uh, understood in a negative manner. St. <laughs> Paul established the church in Corinth, and we read about it in chapter 18 of the book of Acts. So we know that it was St. Paul who established this church. St. Paul went and he preached, and he had these road trip, road trip type preaching uh, travels. Uh, and he would go every now and then and go preach city to city, city to city. And then he would take a break and then go back and visit and so on and so forth. And he went to Corinth, as is mentioned in chapter 18 of the book of Acts, and he established a church in Corinth. Now, who are the Corinthians? The Corinthians are pretty much us. Us in the 21st century, right? Uh, or now in the 20, yeah, 21st century. The Corinthians remind us very much of the world that we live in today. It's a world that seeks gratification, instant gratification. It's a very shallow world, a world that seeks to be happy through physical, emotional lusts, physical and emotional stimuli, right? We go and we want to be immediately gratified. We want to have that cup of coffee in the morning and we're too lazy to stand in line, so we have a drive-through at the local Starbucks, right? Um, we want instant gratification. No longer do we sign up for cable TV, but now we have Netflix and Hulu and everything on demand, right? No longer do we rely, I'm talking about the world. You, of course, here are set. You guys are good. But the rest of the world no longer relies on the morality of God, right? And the Christian value system, but instead relies on what? Whatever sounds and piques my interest on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Whatever piques my interest. And it's as if St. Paul was prophesying about our day when he wrote in a different epistle, he says what? People with itchy ears. With itchy ears. Not because they were wearing a mask on their ears, by the way. No, with itchy ears meaning what? Meaning that they are hungry to hear something that emotionally and psychologically stimulates them. Right? Sometimes you go on Facebook and somebody writes something. And it can be the most unchristian thing. The most unchristian thing. Right? But it sounds like amazing wisdom. Amazing wisdom. This is so true. If somebody doesn't love you, don't love them back. Yes, this is amazing. The things that I read on Facebook sometimes. Yes, I'm that old. I'm still stuck on Facebook. I'm trying. Trying to convert to Instagram, at least my church youth are in trying to convince me. Um, but this is, this is unfortunately the world that we live in, right? We take things for face value. It's a very shallow world, right? Anything stimulates us, anything that we hear, anything that we see. We want to have it always on demand. And this is exactly a summary of the people of Corinth. They're very shallow. Very shallow, very self-gratifying, right, in their approach. To the extent that when St. Paul was writing to them, he would mention to them and say what? That you are like babies. I can only feed you milk at this moment. They didn't have formula back then. I can only feed you milk at this moment and hopefully in the future. Hopefully in the future I can give you some solid food. But as of now, 
Your thinking, your mentality is very shallow. You don't think ahead, you don't think deeply. You think about what gratifies you in the moment, right? Unfortunately, this is the world, or at least the way of the world. Not everyone, but seems to be the mainstream way of thinking in, uh, in our first world uh, country, right? And so, St. Paul established the church in Corinth, hoping to grow it from infancy to adulthood. It's a very tough thing. I think many of the parents here understand the challenge behind raising a child from infancy through adolescence and then to adulthood. And I think at this point, 2 Corinthians, uh, the Corinthians were in the adolescent stage, very rebellious stage, very rebellious stage. Now, this is called 2 Corinthians, but in actuality, this is Paul's fourth letter to the Corinthians. His first letter is lost, and his third letter is lost, called the letter of tears, right? But the first Corinthians epistle is actually the second letter, and the fourth and the second Corinthians epistle is the fourth from the first. Did I lose you? I'm lost. The second letter is actually the fourth letter, but we lost those other two letters, and the church, the church through divine inspiration, saw it fit that these two epistles were most important and were inspired by God to be included in the list of the chapters of the scripture of the New Testament. Anyway, so where are we at? Second Corinthians, fourth letter, what's going on? St. Paul establishes the church. The church is morally off completely, right? They give in to prostitution. They give in to a ton of other negative things that I won't get into, right? And they're having a hard time. They're still trying to understand how this all works. So wait, who is the priest? What's an altar? And so on and so forth. So they have a hard time letting go of their old sinful habits, right? And trying to understand and adopt Christian understanding and Christian teachings. This gives rise to what? To people who think they know better, right? And these people, as as St. Paul calls them, super apostles, think that they know so much more and are so much more um, uh, rhetorically capable than than St. Paul is, right? They're better speakers. uh, They know how to elaborate a little better, right? And so they come in and, of course, they try to take advantage of this new growing church that doesn't know anybody that's still any better, that any better, that's still in its infancy. And they cause havoc and they cause divisiveness. And so St. Paul goes down to Corinth to see what's going on. And, of course, they have been brainwashed by these super apostles, Right? And he is not respected. Now, St. Paul, you have to understand, St. Paul is this great, amazing apostle. But he's not great because he's a charismatic leader or a charismatic speaker. He's great because of the grace of God that works in him and through him to those whom he serves. And so when he goes to speak to them, they've already made up their mind that these better speakers, right, these charismatic leaders have much more credibility than this St. Paul. Who is this St. Paul? Who is this St. Paul? Right? What is he here to do? Who gives him the right? These people came with credentials. They came with letters of recommendation from other locations and so on and so forth. Right? 
So who is this St. Paul? St. Paul leaves with a very heavy heart. St. Paul is much better at writing than he is at speaking. And so he goes back and he pens something called the Letter of Tears. And it admonishes their spirit, their way of thinking, their incorrect understanding of what it is to be a Christian, what it is to be a Christian apostle. And he sends the letter with Titus, and Titus reads the letter, and he, you know, argues with the people there and, and tries to make them understand that it's not all about the bells and the whistles and about the fireworks. It's about the Spirit of God. And they come to their senses, and they repent, and they send their repentance with St. Paul the Apostle. But St. Paul the Apostle is also a loving father. He's also a loving father. And so he's not content with their repentance from their erroneous ways, right? And he decides to pen them another letter. And to explain to them that his concern for them isn't because they shunned him, but it's because it showed or it manifested in them an incorrect spirit of understanding what it was to be, what it means to be a humble Christian, a loving Christian, right? And that God does not work through amazing miracles only. The amazing miracles only what? They only strengthen the teachings and the understanding and the faith of the people. God is not this magician. He's not uh, doing these great works. There's no fireworks. There's no explosions. God works in the weak. God's glory is made manifest in the weak. And so sometimes we'll see ordinary people that do amazing things that we won't even know about until their time has been completed on earth. I think you all know who I'm talking about, especially in this church. And this is the message that St. Paul is trying to relay to the people of Corinth, right? It's not about being gratified. It's not about being emotionally and psychologically blown away by something that sounds like it's amazing and deep and poetic, but it's instead about what? Simplicity. Simplicity. And he does this by showing his simplicity to them, by showing his sincerity <clears throat> or the sincerity of his love and his ministry to them. I think we took how many minutes now? All right. So maybe we will finish the 30 minutes, <laughs> but we won't, uh, we won't go too far. And so I want to go over what he relays in his message, taking one verse per chapter and explaining it and, and kind of contemplating about it real quick. We won't take up that much time and how... St. Mary's, uh, our love of St. Mary and understanding of St. Mary can relate to this same message. And this is a beautiful letter. Uh, this letter is very helpful for not just priests or pastors or ministers or servants, but it's also helpful for us understanding what it is to be sincere, what it is to be humble, right? What it is to be a servant of God and to open our hearts to others. A lot of times when we have issues with other people, our pride takes over, right? How dare she? How dare he? Who does he think he is? They're worth nothing. They don't know what they're losing, and so on and so forth, right? But St. Paul humbles himself, and he brings himself down, and he says, now, yes, you have all repented 
from your erroneous ways, right? And from the wrong teachings of these super apostles, now it's time for me to open my heart and teach you by example what it is to be a sincere Christian. And we start with the first verse about how Christians, Christians go through tribulations in their life, yet their ultimate consolation is God. We all go through things in our life, right? But we don't lose hope. Why? Because we have an eternal consolation, and that is in Christ our Lord. And we go to the first chapter, 2 Corinthians verse 3 and 4. It says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all consolation, who consoles us in all our affliction. Of course, he's talking about himself, how he has been afflicted by these people whom he loved, this church whom he established. So that we may be able to console those who are in any affliction with the consolation with which we ourselves are consoled by. When we show other people our consolation by God, when we are reminded and remind others of God's consolation, other people are consoled as well. This is, I think, maybe half of the job of a priest, right? Is to do what? Is to console. Just like any father, just like any parent. We all go through life, going through challenges and tribulations, and who do we go to when we want to be hugged, when we want to be consoled, when we want to be comforted and supported? A lot of times we go to our parents, and I hope that we all go to our parents, right? And they console us. It's the same way here, right? I console you by reminding you of God's consolation, that God is the source of all mercy. He's the source of all consolation. I remind you that you're not alone, that I've gone through tribulations and troubles in my life as well, and I've gained the consolation, right? I've been comforted by the Holy Spirit. I've been comforted by God. And in so doing, I'm reminding you to turn to who? To turn to Christ. That's the first chapter. That's the focus primarily of the first chapter is reminding everyone that even though St. Paul has gone through so much with this people, that his consolation is ultimately in God and that they should be of good cheer because regardless of what happens, all the divisiveness and the issues that are going on in their church, that their consolation is also in Christ. We go another verse um, in the same chapter. Indeed, this is our boast, the testimony of our conscience. We have behaved in the world with frankness and godly sincerity, not by earthly wisdom, but by the grace of God. And all the more even toward you, right? Transparency will convince others of our pure motives when we are transparent. It's very tough to live transparent life these days, right? Everybody's got an agenda. Everybody's hiding behind a facade. Everybody is, I don't want to say double-faced, but everybody has one life in front of the people and then a different life behind the scenes. And St. Paul is telling them, I'm going to open my heart to you. I'm going to show you my sincerity. And as a servant, as a friend, as a parent, when I'm sincere, that person feels my sincerity. That person believes me. and That strengthens the bond between me and that person. And it gets rid of a ton of animosity a ton of problems, right? Because then now, I don't have to have my walls up. I can bring my walls down and I can be honest. And that will work towards a stronger bond and a stronger relationship. Same chapter, he teaches us that leadership involves service, 
that increases others' joy, right? If I'm a leader, a parent, even a good friend, a good friend, when I serve my friends, it is with the intent and with the goal of what? Giving them joy, right? Why would I serve anyone for any other reason? When I serve someone, it's to give them joy, to give them comfort. Why? Because I care about them, because I love them. God is all good. His intent for us is all good. And that's why we can fully trust in God in all things, because there is no evil in Him, right? God is all light and there is no darkness in Him whatsoever. And so when I trust in God, what happens? I'm filled with joy. When I'm comforted, I'm filled with joy. If you're dealing with something, if you're troubled about something and you go to a friend and he serves you or she serves you and they help you out and you can tell their sincere intention towards you and towards helping you, you feel joy, you feel comfort, right? To any leader, any servant in the church, this is the main focus, is to serve others so that others may feel the joy. The joy of who? The joy of Christ that lives in that servant. So that servant can't be a true servant unless they themselves feel the joy of Christ in them. We go to the next chapter, and St. Paul talks about healthy relationships and how they should be a priority on our list. Sometimes there are those who we deal with in our life who give us heartache. And so we take a stance against them, right? We take a stance, I'm not going to deal with this person anymore. This person is trouble. This person is evil. They mean horrible things towards me, right? These people are bad. I don't want to deal with them anymore, right? I just, I'm, I'm fed up. I'm fed up. St. Paul teaches us that as bad as a relationship can sour, as bad as things can get, we can never lose the love that we have for each other, for our brothers, our sisters, and our neighbors. We have to maintain that relationship. It doesn't mean that I make myself vulnerable to this person and have this person take advantage of me continuously. There has to be boundaries. That's normal, that we create boundaries for our own safety, right? To make sure that we are not hindered spiritually and that the boundaries protect us from anything that causes any type of hindrance between us and the relationship that we have with Christ. But at all times, we are to love everyone. We are to care about everyone. You know, I was listening to His Grace talk about a sermon. He says, what is the extent of us forgiving someone? What is the extent of us accepting someone's repentance or apology? It is the extent of you know, sometimes, yes, I'll accept your apology. Yes, I'll forgive you, but I don't want to deal with you anymore. Right? Sometimes we create walls. I don't want to deal with you anymore because I don't want to get hurt anymore because you're a bad person. I just, I, it's not worth it for me. It's so much easier. You got to live life. You got to be happy in life. Right? But have I really, have I really accepted that person's apology if I've created a wall between me and that person? There's a difference between a boundary and a wall. That is the extent of the love that I need to have in a relationship between me and any person, whether good or someone who's wronged me before. The extent that St. Paul, in spite 
of the attacks of the Corinthians against him still loves them to the point that he makes himself vulnerable by showing his sincerity and the sincerity of his love towards them. St. Paul teaches always by example. Another verse in chapter 2, integrity demands utmost sincerity. For you to believe me, for you to trust me as a servant, as a friend, as anyone else, I have to be sincere. I have to be sincere, right? If I'm not sincere, I think we can smell it, right? If we're dealing with someone, you can tell if this person is sincere or this person is just uh, going with the motions, right? Just playing along. And St. Paul teaches us that for somebody to believe us, to trust us, to accept us, we have to be sincere. We have to be sincere in our own ways, in all our ways, excuse me, right? It doesn't mean, it doesn't mean that we are unwise. A lot of people think that if I'm simple, that I'm unwise. I may be simple-hearted in terms of my sincerity, but it doesn't mean that I lose my wisdom. I can be sincere and still be wise. I can open up, but not completely become naked to the person in front of me, to the extent that that person will take advantage of me if he has advantage of me if they have the opportunity. This is what St. Paul did with the Corinthians. He's being sincere, yet he's still holding strong to his apostolic authority, not allowing them to tread on him or his authority or the basis or the foundation of his authority, which is what? The teachings of Christ. Because the day that they tread on him is the day that they tread on the teachings of Christ. Uh, St. Paul wants to teach us that just because it looks good doesn't mean it is, right? That you can't judge a book by the cover or by its cover goes both ways, right? So sometimes the cover looks worn out and so you think that the book is worn out as well. But in actuality, the book has depth, has beauty. Whereas here, he's telling them the book may look great on the outside, right? But on the inside, there's nothing. There's emptiness. Just like these super apostles that came to Corinth and tried to take away the credibility and undermine the position of St. Paul as the founder of the church, right? Who were actually full of nothing. They were full of wrong teachings or emptiness. Just empty words. You ever meet somebody who speaks very well, right? But then when you actually analyze what they say, you're like, what, what, I don't understand. What, what is he talking about? What, is she, what does she mean? It's a bunch of air, right? Hot air is what it is. Hot air rises and disappears. And this person just looks good, you know, and the words coming out of their mouth sound good, right? There are so many philosophies in the world right now, a lot of people talking about different philosophies, different concepts and ideologies, ways of thinking. But then when you analyze them and you put them against the words and the teachings of Christ, you realize that they're very foolish, they're very unwise, they're very impractical. This is what St. Paul is teaching the Corinthians. When we go through life, the people that we meet, it's not important to just look at the cover, but to look at the substance, their inner substance. We're never going to finish this way. <laughs> uh, 
Let's see if we can jump ahead. I think it's probably best to jump ahead for the sake of time to my favorite verse. To my favorite verse, if I can find it in all these verses. There we go. God is glorified. Now, we have to understand before I get to this verse that they saw Paul, these people, these super apostles as he calls them. I think he was being sarcastic. Uh, these super apostles wanted to belittle St. Paul in the eyes of the people, right? They did great things. They said amazing things, things that were convincing, right? They taught amazing things, or at least amazing things to those who have itchy ears, who are looking to hear something that sounds amazing, that touches the heart, that moves them emotionally, right? But in actuality, it's very impractical. Um, and, and very fake, right? And so, St. Paul reminds us that even though we are short of stature, as St. Paul somewhat was, even though we are bald, as St. Paul was, right? He wasn't this tall, dark, and handsome man. Sometimes we open the TV on Sundays and we see some of these evangelical pastors giving a sermon um, in these big mega churches. Nice set of hair, right? Pearly whites. I think we all know who we're talking about. Last name starts with an O. <laughs> I come to you with ruffled hair and a messed up beard. <laughs> um, but I speak the words of Christ. It is not I who speaks, but Christ who speaks through me. Not I, but the Holy Spirit, right? And that's what matters. And so, the point is that God is glorified in us when we bear and we endure. But God is glorified in our weakness. God is glorified in our weakness. I think we all know this about St. Paul, how St. Paul used to struggle with a thorn, right? And he called it a thorn, right? A pain in the... You can call it that. That's the same concept these days. This is how he would have said it these days. He's got some kind of issue, his health, or whatever the case may be, and it's such a pain in the, right? And it makes him think that it takes away from his ability to serve more. And so he asks God, please, Lord, take this thorn, this pain away from me. This thing that I feel is a hindrance that hinders me from my service. And he asks this of God three times. And the third time, nothing, nothing. He's still dealing with the thorn. And the Lord said to St. Paul, My grace is sufficient for you, for power is made perfect in weakness. Power is made perfect in weakness. What does that mean? If I look at somebody who's weak, who's disheveled, who doesn't look like they have a lick of understanding of anything in life. Not even how to iron their clothes or comb their hair or brush their beard, right? If I come and I meet somebody like that, what do we usually call somebody like that? It's not a nice term to use. Call that person usually a loser, right? I've met a loser. What can I expect from a loser, right? Well, this is our limited human expectation. And Christ is trying to tell Paul, Paul, 
Did you really think that all the amazing things you accomplished, all the amazing things that you endured, all the people that you brought to me, all the sermons and the writings that you wrote are really what made a difference? Paul, look at yourself in the mirror. <laughs> Paul, you're weak. It wasn't you. It was my grace. It was the grace of God. It was the Holy Spirit, the power of God working in Paul and through Paul to accomplish amazing things. And that's one, really the main message that I feel we should take from 2 Corinthians. Really the main message. That as much tribulation as we go through in our life, as hard and as worried are we, as we are, as hard as we work and as worried as we are about these tribulations, these struggles, all these things, if we ever think that we accomplish them by our own effort, we're fooling ourselves. We're fooling ourselves. Yes, we work. Yes, we struggle. We live a life of purity, a life aimed at righteousness, but only for what? Or a life of repentance and a life aimed towards righteousness, only so that we can purify ourselves, so that the Holy Spirit is able to work in us. And that's why St. Paul says what? Don't extinguish the flame of the Holy Spirit that's in you, right? By your own pride, by your own pride. If you humble yourself and you think sincerely and you understand sincerely that as much effort as you put in the Holy Spirit is what really completes your effort, then you will grow. Then you will grow. For God's glory, right, is magnified in those whom we think nothing good can ever come out of. If I look at somebody and I'm convinced that this person is a loser, I don't expect anything out of this person. God takes that person and He says, let me work my magic. Let me show you my power and my divinity. And so it is in the weakest of the weak that God is able to show His divinity, His power, His greatness. Something that we can never understand, never believe, never comprehend. God accomplishes it. And when we live our life according to that sincere thinking, when we introspect and we realize that we are ultimately nothing, I may struggle, but it doesn't mean that I'm going to accomplish anything. Without me, you can do nothing. With me, you can do everything. Right? Or anything. This is the teaching that St. Paul has learned. That in spite of the attacks and everything and the tribulations that we go through in our life, we think that we're strong. We think that we're capable. We think that we can handle it. I've worked hard, I've studied hard, I've endured, but in actuality, it's the grace of God in us who has given us the ability to work hard, to study hard, to endure. It's the grace of God that carries us. And the sooner that we realize that, the greater the grace of God will dwell in us, the greater the things we will accomplish. Can you imagine one man accomplishing so much? But it wasn't just one man. It was Christ, it was the Holy Spirit in that one man accomplishing all those things. This is the beautiful message of 2 Corinthians. 
we are sincere with ourselves, if we are sincere with those around us, God will bless us more, will fill us with His grace. Then we will rise, not by magic, <clears throat> not by appearances, not by talents, but by the grace of God. Everything that we do in our lives is by the grace of God. And if we constantly remind ourselves of that, what happens? We humble ourselves. We get rid of self-vain pride, right? And instead, what takes its place? God's grace. Who reminds us of living this type of life? This type of life of humility? This life that's full of God's grace? Hint, hint, we're fasting. Huh? St. Mary, right? St. Mary, hail to you full of grace. The Lord is with you. The Lord is with you. St. Mary was full of God's grace, right? That's what we say in our doxologies. That's what we say in our prayers, right? St. Mary is full of grace. Now, full of grace can refer to her bearing the source of all grace, Christ, right? But the grace of God filled St. Mary before the body of Christ did, right? Before God was incarnate in the flesh of St. Mary, she was full of grace. And it was because of her filled nature of, uh, with God's grace, her being filled with God's grace, that God graced her even more with His incarnation through her, right? Or in her. This is what St. Mary teaches us. This is how we can relate the understanding of St. Mary with this epistle. She was full of grace. She was full of humility. From a young age, she served the Lord. And when the impossible seemed to be inevitable, when she asked how this could be without her knowing a man, it was out of sincerity, right? It was out of the sincerity of her heart, not the weakness of her faith. And when she was afraid that she'd be judged by others, the grace of God filled her and took that fear and that concern away. And when she was confronted with the tribulation of having to take her child and to flee to save her life, his life, it was the grace of God that carried her and Christ and St. Joseph to the land of Egypt. And it was the grace of God that carried her while her son was away preaching. It was the grace of God that comforted and consoled her when she saw her son on the cross. And it was the grace of God that comforted her with the knowledge and the faith of his inevitable resurrection. There's a song by Clay Aiken that everybody loves. Uh, it's a beautiful song, very poetic. Mary, did you know? But we... We may sing the song, but we always have to remember one thing. Yes, Mary did know. Mary definitely knew. Mary definitely knew. And she was consoled and she was assured of the resurrection of Christ. How do we know this? Because she was filled with the grace of God. When you're filled with the grace of God, you have hope, you have joy, you have strong faith. And our beloved Heavenly Mother, St. Mary, was filled with the grace of God 
And it's the grace of God that allowed her to be so great to the extent that we call her the pride of our humanity. She's the pride of the human race. We take pride in her knowing, knowing that one of us was so filled with God's grace that God imputed so much blessing as the blessing of bearing the Son of God. This is the message of today's epistle, second epistle of Corinthians. Humility, sincerity, ultimately the grace of God fills us, carries us, strengthens us, raises us so that we accomplish great things. Yes, we put in a little effort and that effort brings us closer and allows the Holy Spirit to work in us to fill us with that grace. May God bless you. May this holy fast be a source of blessing, a source of humility, a source of grace in your life. May we always remember that it's God who carries us every step of our life, right? Just like that poem, uh, Footprints. Is everybody familiar with that poem? Right? He's walking with Christ in this dream. And there's two sets of footprints, and then he looks back and he sees many times during his tribulations and his troubles, he says, sees one set of footprints. And of course, being a human, he misunderstands. He says, Lord, why did you leave me during the toughest trials of my life, during the toughest times? He said, those aren't your footprints, dummy. <laughs> In my version, it's dummy. Those are my footprints because I'm carrying you. I'm carrying you. God's grace carries us all the time. All the time. We don't realize it. So many things we go through life, so many more horrible things can happen to us. But they don't. And we'll never know. Because it's God's grace that protects us from these things. Right? And there's also at the same time so much more potential. Or so much potential of, so, of doing so much more when we just allow God's grace to work in us and to work through us. God bless you. Happy fast of St. Mary, right? I hope you enjoy. This is a beautiful time, and I know this is a very special time for this church, especially since I was, God knows, during my younger years, during my college years when I could drive and I had a car, we would come down here and spend the revivals of St. Mary here and especially the all-night vigil and, and the liturgy and beautiful memories here. And I hope that you all share in these beautiful memories. You develop your own beautiful memories of this blessed time as we all come together to love Christ through the pride of our race, our beloved Heavenly Mother, St. Mary. Glory be to God forever. Amen.